Hey, everybody. On this episode of the podcast, we are going to continue in our secret societies, also known as S3, and uh, our secret society series. Right, Rosie? Yeah. And uh, we are going to uh, unpack the Knights of the Templar, so we'll get into that in just a minute. But we, it's time for a baby update. So, um, oh, I just love this music. Relaxing. It's relaxing. No wonder babies fall asleep to this. All right, so what's our baby update? Well, the podcast is 11 weeks pregnant. 11. So congratulations for the 11th week in a row. Yes. Um, it is the size of a Brussels sprout. And if you don't like Brussels sprouts, it's the size of a fig. So fig. take your pick. Our mm. little fig. I know, little, little fig baby. Our little Brussels fig. <laughs> <laughs> Just name it Brussels fig. <laughs> well... Russell What's Crow. happening right now <laughs> is that the ears have finally taken place on the sides of the head. They've kind of migrated towards where they'll stay. All right. It's going to begin hearing you soon. And also, the genitals are... It's in place on what Whoa gender now. it'll be. <laughs> Whoa now. I know. It's in place on what gender it'll be. You won't be able to tell yet. You can't go to the doctor and figure it out. But the, your baby's gender... And sex because they're the same thing. Yeah, are set. At set. So at eleven weeks. At eleven weeks. Mm-hmm. Until forever. Until forever. Until it decides what it wants to be. I don't believe in that. Oh okay. no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our little baby is growing. It's the size of a Brussels sprout fig. Mm-hmm. And and it has. Uh, it hears you. It hears us. Hey, little baby. And it's got its downstairs stuff. awesome that's awesome all right so there our baby is growing and you know the podcast is is nurture how's i think the mother's doing well the podcast mother is doing well we'll have to ask it's gonna be like that movie i saw that netflix movie i am mother and uh it's like a robot that actually like raises was that movie any good? I heard something. It's it's dystopian and it's kind of cool. It's got some neat things to it. Um, hmm. It's I think it's like futuristic. Um, <laughs> it's like they're programming us, but hmm. it, they are. Yeah. So no doubt. But uh, so, yeah. But our podcast will not be like I am a mother. <laughs> we won't. We, we won't. We will be a kind, nurturing human. We're not an all conscious, like all around. No, we will conscious. die. Before we give in to the robots, that's right. And many robot, many robots will go down before, because you have ammo. This is true. So, anyways, <laughs> all right. Hey, listen, let's get to the podcast. So yeah, sit- there's there. It's uh, I just oh, want to say, oh, okay, it's a long one, but there is a lot of information that I've never heard of before, and I don't think you will hear anywhere else. That's I'm right. I'm gonna go ahead and say that. I think we are breaking some ground here. Yeah, man. So sit back, grab a coffee. Wait, wait, wait. What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, you got me. You got- sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. What's up, warriors? Welcome to another episode of All Out War. I am Turner, and I'm joined in the studio with Rosie. What's up, Rosie? Hey, man. Guess what, man? What's up? We got our live audience back with us. Hey. We do. Hello. 
what's up guys i instagrammed you out so you're gonna be famous to all of our 300 followers on instagram hey y'all hey <laughs> howdy we get howdy. about we get about 20 people that actually look at it bonjour so. <laughs> and we're back because we had a week off Rosie's health was down in the gutter. Had and, surgery uh, that I was not expecting. <laughs> right. But it's okay. But you're healthy now. I'm good. You're back in the saddle. Yeah. And I was preparing for some traveling that I had to do. So that was cool. Yeah. And uh, But now we're back at it. So sometimes we'll have a week like that where it just gets insane and things have to go crazy. But uh, I'm excited because we're going to continue on in... This podcast, and I'm excited because, well, let me just play this for you, and this might give you a hint on what we're talking about tonight. Who are you? We are the knights who say... No, not the knights who say... The same! Who are they? We are the keepers of the sacred words. Peng and Niwom. Those who hear them seldom live to tell the tale. The knights who say... Demand a sacrifice. Knights of Ni, we are but simple travelers who seek the enchanter who lives beyond these woods. We shall say Ni again to you if you do not appease us. Well, what is it you want? We want a shrubbery. <laughs> a what? <laughs> Uh, so you might know that that's uh, Monty Python, the knights who say knee, knee, knee. That's what they do. They just say knee, and that sort of ties in with what we're going to talk about tonight because uh, loosely, <laughs> uh, they definitely make light of something that is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, we are continuing on in our secret societies uh, series. Secret Society series. S3. S3, the S3 series. I like that. I think that's what we'll have to start calling it. Okay. But uh, so the S3 series that we're in right now. And no, it's not S3 series. Oh. It's S3. <laughs> just, it's like people that say like, oh, I'm going to the ATM machine. <laughs> ATM stands for automated teller machine. Right. So you don't say ATM machine. Or DC Comics. It stands for Detective <laughs> Comics. Okay, you done busting my chops? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is another episode of S3 at All Out. Of the S3, I don't know. S3, All Out War S3. I don't care. Anyways, (laughs) we're continuing in our Secret Society series. Mm -hmm. And it's this last, the last episode we talked about the assassins, which came out of the Ismailis, which were the the Ismailites, I should say, which were these weird sect of, of Islam. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then moving into tonight's, we're talking about the Knights of the Templar. And uh, these are kind of cool because, I you know, I had always heard about them, but never really knew anything about them. Mm-hmm. And there's all this folklore and all this legend surrounding them and even movies that were kind of like inspired by them. Like, I don't know if you remember the movie Excalibur. Mm-hmm. Remember that, that there was some inspiration from even these knights that were going around um, as the Knights of the Temple. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to unpack that tonight a little bit and, um, and, and talk about what they the impact they had and um and how they became this really notorious secret society and yeah. um but before we do that i was just wondering what do you know man hey hey <laughs> so there is did you know that there was a uh i don't know how to pronounce his name he was a greek philosopher his name was 
Aeschylus. He was a the oh I'm sorry he's a playwright. He was described as the father of tragedy. Mm. Um, yeah. So anyway, he died because a bird dropped a uh, tortoise on his head. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Uh, It said in uh, 458 BC he returned to Sicily for the last time, visiting the city of Gala, where he died in 456 or 455. Valerius Valerius whatever something maximus wrote that he was killed outside of the city by a tor- by a tortoise dropped by an eagle which had mistaken his bald head for a rock suitable for shattering the skull the shell of the reptile so these vultures would pick up uh tortoises and then bring them up top and then drop them on rocks so that the shell would break and they can go eat the tortoise so it's smart but it, it, he was bald so they thought it was a rock and it killed him that's amazing. Yeah, it's that's pretty amazing. Good so I guess if you're you, what do you do if you have a bald head and and you go outside and there's vultures? Wear a hat. Wear a hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wear a Might hat. I suggest I'm starting up a, a, a big floppy hat? I'm trying to bring back the floppy hat, floppy brimmed hats, like yeah. big Sahara hats. Love those. Yeah. So floppy hat gang, like a ranger hat. Yeah, I've like, already got like ten people in it. In the Ironic in the floppy hat gang. Oh, yeah. I, I need to get one. Yeah, get one. Right. No, no, it's different. You just be quiet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, get a, get yourself a floppy hat. And we're starting the floppy hat gang. Floppy hat. It's gang. been started, but the FHG. Yep. You know, warriors need to wear the proper attire. Yeah. Maybe we should make an all-out war floppy hat. I would That's, be okay with that. We'd, we'd wonder if our listeners would buy. Yeah, I speaking of that, if you're hearing this podcast right now, you're one of the few. You should be thankful and that you are very lucky because we are being suppressed by the technocratic societies that rule the digital sphere. And we are. We're being we're we're being we're being on Twitter and on on Everywhere. A- Apple. Yeah, we're just being suppressed. And so if you're hearing this, it's a it's a small miracle. It's a small miracle because uh you are, you have found us, and mm. you should feel, you should understand that you are now part of ten people that know <laughs> about the show. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy how. <laughs> Just... it, no, I mean we've talked about this before, but we went, we lost seventy percent of our listening audience in, yeah. in a matter of two weeks, three weeks, while maybe. having some of the biggest guests. Yeah. On. Yeah. Yeah, I was explaining this to my son. My son's my son's big on Twitter and stuff, and I was explaining to him. I was like, "Yeah, the three guests that we had on combined, they have over a million followers on no on Twitter, don't they? Hundred thousand, more than that. Hundred thousand, hundred thousand. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I may have said a million, <laughs> but I said they tweeted us out. Yeah, and I said even if just ten percent, even if five percent found, you know, it'd be it'd if be one percent. several thousand people would have would have hurt would have seen it and recognized it and even clicked on the link then it would have had we would have had several thousand listens so you would have thought that we would have at least yeah. maintained the normal number that we have right but it just dropped nothing yeah and and those tweets were not being seen mm. and uh we were we were testing it and it was being proven to us because we were testing it to see if we were being suppressed and so so if you're hearing this congratulations you're you are you are now a target. 
<laughs> you will probably be suppressed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, welcome to the club. Yeah. But. I was going to say, uh, it's going to be interesting because this one, we will, so we've been getting into more dicey topics. Yeah. Like the Clinton body count and Pizzagate and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so this one, we're going to actually, <laughs> it'll probably, there's going to be some stuff that we didn't get into with the assassins about like the, the beliefs. Yeah. But we're going to dive into some crazy, like what these guys actually believed and stuff like that. Yeah, man, props so. go to you because you found this stuff and, and I've got like generic information. You are the guy, you're the guru on this one. <laughs> and uh, so props to you for some of the stuff that you discovered in your research, which I think is awesome. Um, so let's start. So the Knights of the Templar. Knights Templar. Knights Templar. Knights of... Knights Templar, I should say, yes. The, the, they uh, started in 1118 with just nine knights, and uh, they were um, – it really started off as like a, a good thing. They started off as they wanted to be defenders of pilgrims who were on their journey to the Holy Land. Yeah. So they were trying to provide safe passage and protection for people that were on their way down to the Holy Land. And this is, you know, the 1100s. It's the early 1100s. Um, the beginning of the what we would call the Dark Ages, mm -hmm. I suppose, and uh, the Knights Templar it lasted for about two hundred years, you know, in scope, and um, they became literally one of the wealthiest and most powerful secret societies. Um, that and I don't even know how secret we would say they are, but because we know a lot about them. Well, yeah. But, so it, it was mostly that these guys weren't secret on the outside but what was secret was the stuff that they did on the inside right yeah all the all the behind the scenes stuff yeah. and um but they became one of the most powerful entities in all of europe hmm. um to the point of where nine guys in just a few hundred years were able to acquire land on three different continents and have amassed massive amounts of silver and were ruling entire lands mm -hmm. just like com completely in charge um so uh they started off you know in a really good noble way you know they started off with like an uh, original objective that they were going to emulate the life of a monk and a knight they wanted to, to marry those two lifestyles they wanted to have this you know um real pious and um just you know uh neglecting the earthly and worldly things mm -hmm. like a monk would and then they wanted to have this like real valiant valor side of it where they would be defenders of the weak and protector of those that can't protect themselves. And um, and and so what they did is they the people that would join them, um, they would only fight if it was absolutely necessary. Um, and but once they did fight, it was like a kill all mentality, like they were not going to leave the battlefield in fact one of their tenants was we don't give up space like we don't retreat yeah we die before we retreat so it was a pretty honorable it became this kind of like honorable thing like hey they're it's noble and they have these these you know they're protecting people that are you know can't help themselves and then they fight to the death and so like there's just a lot of valor into it and connected to it but it did go pretty sideways pretty quickly mm -hmm. um <clears throat> so like what I discovered and then you can you can please jump in um, for instance they had vowed to consecrate their I'll read this straight from the book they vowed to consecrate their swords arms arms as in like 
weapons, uh, strength and lives to the defense of the mysteries of the Christian faith, to pay complete and utter obedience to the order of the Grand Master, to fight whenever commanded, regardless of the perils, for the faith of Christ as they as they understood it. Mm. That's the important part there. Yeah. So they would facade what they were doing with Christ and with Christianity. And you have to remember, in this time period, as they were emerging into this society, you had in the Holy Land, you had the Muslims who were coming in to take over and trying to take over Jerusalem. You had the Catholics who were beginning to to come down for well, the... Well, these guys were Catholic. Well, well eventually. Sorry, sorry, they become Catholic eventually. But uh, so they you had the Catholics who were already engaging the Muslims who were fighting. And then you had all of these little rogue groups of people like the assassins who, well, they weren't really too small, but, but they were actually coming in and they were... Willing, Mercenaries. Yeah, they were willing to fight for e- either side, whoever had the money they were willing to work for. And, and so then you have these Knights of the Templar who kind of rise up in the middle of all of that. And um, so it was a real opportune time for this group for that mission. So it was just like the perfect yeah. kind of storm, if you will, for them to do that. And the word Knights Templar actually means soldiers of the temple. And, and the, the temple that they're referring to is Solomon's temple back from Second uh, Kings when, he, when Solomon built the, the second temple. And uh, and so that would have been um, they they were considered they considered themselves the defenders of Solomon's temple and that's actually where they headquartered their society was in that area where they believed the temple would have been which in modern day would be the Dome of the Rock mm-hmm. in Israel it would be like because that's the big fight in the Middle East is where does the temple go does it it's it's on supposedly on the Temple Mount area where the Dome of the Rock is, and there's also a, a mosque over there as well. The, most people think the Dome of the Rock is a mosque. It's not. It's actually mm-hmm. a library. But the mosque is next to that, and then the temple was somewhere on that Temple Mount area. Yeah, but I guess, so if you believe that Palestine is a country, that's where you would say it is now, modern-day Palestine. Right. or Israel. It, it is Israel, but <laughs> right. <laughs> but they would say... Yeah. It's in Palestinian land. Pa- yeah, Palestinian land or Palestine land was just a, a, a name that they gave it before Israel, before 1948, yeah. it really became Israel. So they were headquartered over there, and um, they were uh, they were assigned these places by the king, and um, that would be where they would stay and uh, up until right before the end of their you know real strength and power. They would be, actually, they would lose to the Muslims and be kicked out of that area mm-hmm. for a short period of time. And and it's really just a rags-to-riches story when you think about it because they start off with as these paupers, poor, you know, they, they um, you know, probably for the first 10 to 15 years, they lived a life of chastity and poverty like the monks would. And then they adopted, um, like, this white and black banner. So th- one thing that I'm learning, because, you know, I didn't take – a lot i mean public school education here yeah. you know so you don't get a really great education on history i love history but one of the things that i'm discovering is that in this era these like from like the 900s to like the 1300s for even maybe even the 1400s the flag that you that you f- like served under meant everything mm-hmm. like your it was your banner yeah and it was a big deal 
That's why they would have these guys that would hold those flags out in front of the army and everything, so you'd know who was coming at you. And they were they were given a flag that was this black and white flag, and it, it was basically like if you can picture a flag, it's sort of a rectangle, right? Right across the middle, it would be like black on the on the. I think it was black on the top and white on the bottom. I can't remember which yeah, yeah, which right. it was, but it was black and white. And then later on probably i don't know 30 or 30 to 60 years later one of the popes because they align themselves with the catholic church he gives them this big red cross and this big crimson cross and just puts it right on the middle of it so it's a black and white flag with a big red cross that becomes their banner and so they what when they first started they didn't have any uniforms they didn't have any training it was very loose but it was honorable and then they move into this like they start to get recognized and they start to grow and they start to have a little bit of power behind them. And then finally they meet with this Pope and they have this whole council that, you know, they have this big meeting and they actually decide to make, I, I think it was called the church of the seers, I think is mm-hmm. what they called it. And it was basically, they became the mercenaries for the Catholic church. Yeah. I mean, for lack of a better term. And so they were the hired guns to go in and do the dirty work for the Catholic Church. You know? yeah. And this Pope said, do it. And so what they did is they got recognized by the ruling party of all of Europe, which was the Catholic Church. And they were able to go throughout Europe and they were allowed to acquire men for their army. Well, yeah, I was going to say it's important that like all the subsequent countries that they went to, if they were Catholic countries because that was what they had yeah uh is the king's you know the pope you have to remember the pope is seen as more powerful than the kings almost so the kings oh if they have the authority of the church then we allow them in yeah so well the 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 king was appointed by the pope right yeah (laughs) so right if you come in the name of the pope you're that's there's not another higher authority yeah which is just crazy to think about Mm -hmm. you know um but it soon be they, it, you know they soon it soon became aware that uh, the formidable foe to the Catholic Church was the Muslims, mm-hmm. and so they were advancing towards Jerusalem, and so they were approached with this opportunity to fight for the Catholic Church in the Crusades, and to really go down. And so um, on their way down, when, once they once they get these thousands of people to kind of start following them as they go through all of the European countrysides and gather these knights, they stop in Damascus and Damascus is where they have a first real big battle. And, um, they just, they just did really good. (laughs) They had, they had a good mission. They were motivated and they were generally pretty good in nature, I think, but things get pretty bad because that was in a, like the year, they were they were in, they were endorsed by the Pope in 1128, and I think we said they started in, in 1118. So it was just 10 years after they had kind of been around, and so now they went from nine knights to thousands of knights, and along with that growth and that endorsement and that mission came these secret vows and these inner workings of the group, mm-hmm. and that's where you kind of like found some cool stuff. So do you want to expand on some of that? Uh, I was going to say, maybe we should go through uh, how they ended first, and then we can wrap around and go back to that. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Oh, well, I was going to say, so they 
basically are acquiring all this land and uh, all these castles and they're just going everywhere and basically all these people are um, you know they're coming in they're pushing out these invading forces invading hordes and the people are you know the kings or the whatever royalty is like oh here uh, you know we want you to stay here kind of like how uh, America sets up military bases in our allied countries yeah so like for existence for to give it just like some proper context or you know modern day we have air bases in poland which helps us so that we can have stuff to watch on the russians and poland also wants us to have military bases there because they know that if the russians try to come through poland again they know that we're going to defend it defend their country because we have bases there Right. You know, so, that, so that's it's mutually beneficial. It's mutually be- beneficial. Yeah. So that's what a lot of these guys did, um, and so they're just like you said, acquiring all this wealth, and land, and castles, and all this crazy stuff. And so then at the end, um, one of the guys who is the, uh, I'll go ahead and read this. So they, this is kind of at the end of their undoing, and it'll go into the, uh, the stuff of you know, what, what they found basically. So it says the King of France, Philip Lebel, who uh, was a friend of the Templars now became alarmed and urged the Pope to take action against them. But before the Pope was able to find out more about the matter, the King took the law into his own hands and had all the Templars in French in France arrested on October 13, 1307. So this is quite, you, you know, decade, <laughs> centuries after, uh, the following charges were then brought against them by the inquisitor for France before whom they were examined. So here's, this is the stuff that why all of a sudden, uh, so basically, you know, up until basically when this happens, the, the, the French King, if I understand it correctly, was the first one to say, all right, we got a problem with it. I don't care if the Pope, you know, agrees with this and it goes back and forth and all these countries basically take, uh, the lead of this, uh, the French King. And uh, they round up all the Templars and uh, they start torturing them for information. And so and, and a lot of what happens is it, it, a lot of the things, I guess, even nowadays, they, they talk about torture techniques. Like, is it really good? You know, because right. are they just saying stuff to make it stop? Uh, you know, these kind of things, you know, they, they don't really work the techniques or whatever we do now. But um, what they found is that all across the different countries, they all were telling the same stuff, mm. the same story, the same rituals that they were doing um, with their own little flavor of it based on basically the person that's saying it. So he's going to say it a little bit differently than maybe a different guy's going to say it, but it was all the same stuff. And this is where it starts getting pretty crazy. So you have this upstanding you know, army that's basically all over, again, the country. So this is what the five basic points that they're summarized. Uh, The ceremony of initiation into their order was accompanied by insults to the cross, the denial of Christ in gross obscenities, the adoration of an idol, which was said to be the image of the true God, Mm. the omission of the words of consecration at mass, the right that the lay chiefs arrogated to themselves the giving of absolution, and the authorization of unnatural vice. Wow. Wow. So, 
basically you have again these guys you have to remember these are authorized by the church these are yeah they the pope gave them permission to take their own tithes yeah and they didn't have to give the money to the church right they didn't have to give money to the countries either that's what it said they they yeah. skip paying taxes they really thought they were above the law um but here i'll read some of this to all these infamies a great number of the knights including this guy named uh jacques du Molay, confessed in almost the precisely the same terms at their admission into the order they said that they had been shown the cross on which the figure was the figure of christ and they had been asked whether they believed in him when they answered yes they were told in some cases that this was wrong because he was not god he was a false prophet mm. at some uh, some added that they were shown then an idol or a bearded head which they were told to worship one added that this was of such, quote, a terrible aspect that it seemed to him to be the face of some devil, called in French, uh, un maf, or whatever. Uh, I don't speak, Ger- I don't, I don't speak <laughs> French, but I, I speak German, so my Ger- it's probably going to come out a little bit when I uh, try to pronounce these words. And that whenever he saw it, he was so overcome with fear that he could hardly look at it without fear and trembling. Mm. So this idol of a bearded head, which will kind of, uh, <laughs> gets crazier about yeah. what the head might be. Yeah. Uh, all who confessed declared that they had been ordered to spit on the crucifix hmm. and very many that they had been received that, that they had received the injunction to commit obscenities and practice unnatural vice. Uh, some said on their refusal to carry out these orders, they had been threatened with imprisonment, even perpetual imprisonment. A few said that they had actually been incarcerated. One declared that he had been terrorized, seized by the throat, and threatened with death. So that's some of the stuff. So behind closed doors, you know, they say, again, representing the church and all this stuff. They're spitting on the cross, trampling. I said, I read in other places and uh, told that Jesus was not the, not the true Christ. Wow. Yeah. So they had to deny Christ. I mean, spitting on the cro- on the crucifix is a pretty uh, unbelievable symbol of just hatred, right? Yeah. And just walking away from it. That's inc- so this was like the initiation process. Yeah. Yeah. Got anything else? Oh, I got so much more. All right, cool. Keep going. I'm loving this. Okay. Uh, I mean, I hate that, but I'm loving what you're saying. Yeah, but- so basically, uh, I'll skip over this, that it goes... Um, you know, I'm reading from some of my other notes that they, uh, that, you know, the church finally stepped up and started doing it. So one of the, uh, this is an interesting point that uh, I guess in the defense of the Templars, it says, uh, you know, uh, King Philip was thus represented as the arch villain of the whole piece mm. through uh, seven long years, hounding down the blameless order from whom up until the very moment of their arrest, he had repeatedly received loans of money solely with the object of appropriating their wealth. Yet, after all that we found, the property of the Templars was not appropriated by the king, but was given by him to the Knights of St. John of Jerusalem. That was another order, I think, at the Hospitalers or whatever they're called. Yeah, there was a, there was a, a kind of a running parallel order of that were competitive of these Hospitallers. Hospitalers or... And I think they started off with, they were kind of this noble, wanted to help people that were hurting. 
you know, hospital, right? Yeah, provide, yeah. Provide care. I think they did the same. They were basically the orthodox version of the knights. The knights. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'll just skip on. So it says uh, the truth, though, is far more probably that the king that if the king had any additional reason for suppressing the Templars, it was not envy of their wealth, but fear of immense power their wealth conferred. The order dared even to defy the king and refuse to pay taxes. The temple, in fact, constituted an imperium in imperio that threatened not only the royal authority, but the whole social system. So here's a quote. As the Templars had houses in old countries, they practiced they practiced the financial operations of the international banks of our time. They were acquitted with letters of change, orders payable at sight, and they instituted dividends and annuities on deposited capital, advanced funds, lent on credit, controlled private accounts, undertook to raise taxes for the lay and ecclesiastical uh, signers. So the Templars have become the international financiers. Wow and international co- uh, capitalists of their day, uh, had they not been suppressed, all the evils now denounced by socialists as peculiar to the system they describe as capitalism, trust monopolies and corners, would in all probability have been inaugurated during the course of the 14th century in a far worse form than at present day, since no legislation existed to protect the community at large. Wow. So so they were they had weird secret initiations... Yeah, and then they were taking all of the money, and they were basically using it to control. They they wanted to become. Yeah, they're the first international bank. When you think about it, they yeah. had with you know houses all over. Yeah. So they, basically, what happened with this guy in France was he was tired of. Uh, he wanted sovereignty over his own, you know, <laughs> globalism <Yeah>. versus nationalism. <laughs> in a sense, you know, he it's wanted. Uh, he was like, "Why are these?" globalists coming in uh we're giving them all this money and they're uh you know controlling all this stuff they're becoming super powerful this isn't cool and uh i'm just speaking out loud i wonder if some of this may be the the people at the time uh the beast system you know i wonder if people are looking into this as revelation yeah Uh, well i mean yeah i don't know how one world you know it definitely had the seedlings of yeah. of that. I, that. That was just, I just thought of that now. But. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's like a Babylonian. Well, I mean, you think about they were fighting against Islam, you yeah. know, really it's pushing, trying to push back against that. But even like I was reading uh, that when a knight of the Templar would try to leave, say he wanted to leave the yeah. order, uh, it was basically a death sentence. Like if they, if you tried to leave, you were, you were going to be executed. They were going to yeah. hunt you down. It was like, like an order on you so once you're in you can't get out which is the first sign of a cult like it's yeah. easy to get in hard to get out right you know and you think about it and um they were you know towards the end they were at such odds with the kings and even with the the pope like there was such upheaval happening that um they were testifying against them in courts yeah and the pope would let them off a lot and the kings were just so frustrated because here's all this tax money that should be theirs. Here's here's all of these potential, you know, army for their for their war for yeah. their kingdom. And I was going to say one of the things when you think about it is when when it said you know they were, you know, originally these monks 
uh, chastity and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, vows of uh, aestheticism, you know, like that yeah. kind of stuff. These guys were living large, indulging in all kinds of stuff. These are like, you know, you're in some small town. I just picture like some big, powerful, like the mafia moves in. Right. And everyone's so scared, you know, like, you're going to give me some money, we'll protect you. Yeah. And you're like, okay. And they're like, yeah, we're also going to like rape all your women and we're going to do all this crazy stuff. And if you say anything, we're going to kill you. Yeah. And like, so that's basically what these guys were doing. And they're just living a lot, you know, like a motorcycle. I just think of like a motorcycle gang. Like, well, it kind of reminds me of like the cartels. Yeah, exactly. Like Mexico. Mm-hmm. Like they run the government. They, they do run, everything. They do whatever they want. Yeah. And you can't like, like if they want you to work for them and you say no, forget about it. Yeah. You're, they're going to kill your family and everything else. Like you don't have a choice. Yeah. Like that's how powerful they were. Yeah. So you get in and then you can't get out. I mean, it's really, it really mirrors. Like, I don't know if maybe the cartels like modeled their, <laughs> their, on, well, their I mean, leadership. I think it's all evil. Yeah. But uh, what's really funny is, well, not funny. What's interesting to me is like way back at the beginning when they were starting, um, there was a quote it says, from the first nine years of their existence, the knights continued to live a life of chastity and poverty in accordance with their vows. They adopted a striped white black, white and black banner. I already talked about that, uh, you know, that, that flag mm-hmm. that they had. And it says that um, this a special raiment that, that had uh, none, and they wore whatever clothes were given to them by the pious. But little by little, as one writer puts it, they were, be, they were to become known as haughty and insolent. Yeah, exactly. So that was the words that he used is that, that over time they became proud and, and just, you couldn't tell them no. Luxury. Yeah. Yeah. You just, it was like them, you against them and they just had the rule and think about it. It was all of the real power, uh, power of the world at that moment. They, they had the ancient Middle East and they had Europe. Mm-hmm. The modern that that was the modern world at that point. Yeah, Asia doesn't really go into it too much. But then you had the assassins who were kind of had moved into that direction. Yeah. Well, here, all right. So I'm just going to start reading. This is where it gets into some of the crazy stuff. Okay. Yeah. So stop me whenever you want to talk about something. I will. So, uh, so I'll set it up. At this distance of time, the guilt or innocence of the Templars will probably <laughs> never be conclusively established either way. On the mass of conflicting evidence bequeathed to us by history, no one can pronounce a final judgment. Without attempting to digmatize on the question, I would suggest that the real truth may be that the knights were both innocent and guilty. That is to say, that a certain number were initiated into the secret doctrine of the order, whilst the majority remained throughout in ignorance. So this is where you're starting to get into the secret teachings. Thus, according to the evidence of Stephen D. Stapelbrugge, an English knight, that's not an English name. <laughs> uh, there were two modes of reception, one lawful and good and the other contrary to the faith. This would account for the fact that some of the accused declined to confess even under the greatest pressure torture. These may really have known nothing of the real doctrines of the order, which were confided orally only to those whom the superiors regarded as unlikely to be revolted by them. Such have always been the methods of secret societies from the Ishmaelis onward. So there you go. Now Mm. we're going to start tying into uh, the assassins. The assassins. 
Uh, it says this theory of a double doctrine is put forth by some dude who observes <laughs> if we consult the statutes of the order of the temple as they have been come down to us, we shall certainly discover that there is nothing that justifies the strange and abominable practices revealed at the inquiry. But besides the public rule, had not the order another one, whether traditional or written, authorizing or even prescribing these practices, a secret revealed a secret rule revealed only to the initiates. These tendencies were in, uh, enveloped in a profound mystery, and the order made an outward profession of the most perfect orthodoxy. The chiefs alone knew whither they were going, the rest followed unsuspectingly. What then was the temple heresy? Here we go. About to break it down. Here we go. On this point, we find a variety of opinions. According to uh, some dudes, it was the Unitarian deism of Islam. Oh, my. Wait, of Islam? Yes. That's interesting. I didn't know they even had such a thing. Yeah. A Unitarian deism of Islam. <laughs> so how to explain that to me for a I second. Do, I don't even know. How does that work? Because, I mean, I thought Allah was the one God. Well, that... Muslims believe that there's... That they chose one, they, they, they chose to worship one God one, out of many right. of the ancient practices. And I've been doing reading about other, so this is what kind of blew my mind. Not only were the assassins this sect, um, and I think as we talked about last time, even though they were under the guise of Islam, um, you know, they believed that, uh, you know, they were uh, split off, so the, I think the, uh, was it the it's the Shiites? The Shia, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because they believe uh, the Ali, yeah. As far as secession goes, yeah. Um, after Muhammad, but after yeah. we went into the what they actually believe, like the the ranks of initiation. At the end of it, basically, I think it was like at, there's like nine of them, I think, and it was yep, at nine, like nine. five or six. All of a sudden, it's like. Yeah, none of that religion is right. <laughs> right. Yeah, they were basically like, you can't trust anything. You can't trust anything except for what we say. So yeah. basically the at the teacher. end, they were not Muslim. And we talked about they worked, they were just whoever paid them. Yeah. They pretend to be Christians with Christians and they'd badmouth Jews. And then to the Jews, you know, they'd badmouth Christians and Muslims. Right. And to the Muslim, you know, like all Vice this stuff, they, they had to do whatever because they didn't believe in anything. Like you know any religious doctrine yeah there was no truth yeah and there was a whole lot of these other sects all throughout islam so it's really interesting that there's all these different weird yeah stuff but so the unitarian unitarian deism of islam (laughs) is one of them which is pretty mind-blowing i know um but yeah so here's another guy this other guy thinks However, it was derived from heretical Islamic sources and relates that whilst in Palestine, one of the knights, uh, Guillermo de Montbard, was initiated by the old man in the mountain Mm. in a cave of Mount Lebanon, that a certain resemblance existed between the Templars and the the assassins has been indicated by this other dude and further emphasized by the Freemason Clavel. All right, so the man of the mountain is the original assassins. Yeah, that he was, was the, he was the the that was yeah, what they called him. Hassan, I think. Yeah, yeah Hassan. Hassan. Hassan was the man in the mountain, and so one of these knights of the Templar was indoctrinated by that guy. At and, least one that they know of, and went and started the knights of the Templar. So possibly he, yeah. he carried all of that nonsense with him. Yeah. Wow. 
So <laughs> there's so more. there's a definite connection between yeah, yeah. the assassins and the Knights of the Templar. Yeah, uh, it'll keep. Knight, I'll give some knights, more. I keep saying Knights of the Templar. The it's knights because you have the, they have the Knights of the Round Table. So it's well, usually it's yeah. the Knights of Knee. The Knights of the same knee. <laughs> the Knights of the same <laughs> knee. I already played it. I was going to hit it again, but uh, I didn't want yeah. to. Yeah. Well, you know what you do need to hit right now. Smoking that sticky, sticky green stuff. <laughs> yeah. Was I that, was gonna say, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, because it, we're about to get into some crazy, esoteric nonsense. You mean like some of that? Yes. I've been smoking the green, the ganja herb. Smoke the green ganja herb. The Lord put it in the earth. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Every Thank you for episode. knowing it. I, I wanted it in every episode. We'll work it in somehow, man. Yeah. You got it, Rosie. So this is what the Freemasons said. Oriental historians tell us, sorry. I know we're not supposed to use that word anymore. <laughs> this book was written a hundred years ago. Can, so. I, can I tell you a funny joke, a funny story that Please. happened? It's real quick. It won't. Okay. Uh, I used to work with this guy, and um, his name was Jonathan. Uh, well, his his, his uh, American he was, name. He was Asian, and uh, well, I was going to say his last name. It's a, it's a it's a Chinese name. Okay. And uh, but uh, anyways, I. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I'm just going to go on the record. I'm an idiot. I'm not a racist. I'm just stupid. That's what racists say. I'm not racist. <laughs> I'm not a racist. Him and I were good friends. Okay. We hang out all the time. So you had an Asian friend, so you can be racist against Asians. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. All right. Uh, no, uh, I entered, I said something about him being Oriental. And he looked at me and he goes, I'm not a rug. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he goes, Orientals are rugs. I'm Asian. And I was like, I will never say that ever again. <laughs> I was an idiot. Like I said, I'm an idiot. Yeah. That's stupid. I mean, I, I think, I don't know. It's just an old timey term. Yeah. But they're from the Orient. That's what it's called. They are from the Orient. So they're the Orient of whatever, we three kings. So uh, Asian old. historians show us. <laughs> At different periods, the Order of the Templars maintaining intimate relations with that of the Assassins, and they insist on the affinity that existed between the two associations. They remarked that they had adopted the same colors, red, red and white, which we Ooh, actually talked about right. last time, yeah. and that they had the same organization, the same hierarchy of degrees, uh, these words I'm not going to say, and one corresponding to the novice, professed, and knight in the other. So those are the three on one, three in the other. And they both conspired for the ruin of the religions they professed in public. Oof. And that they finally possessed numerous castles, the former in Asia, the latter in Europe. So there you go. It's almost like the the Eastern and Western order of the assassins. Yeah, basically. That's what it seems like. Yeah. They're both trying to take out both religions from yeah, the inside. Muslim and, and Christianity. Yeah, so... I'll keep reading. But Oof. in spite of these outward resemblances, it does not appear from the confessions of the knights that the secret doctrine of the Templars was that of the assassins or of any Ishmaeli sect by which, in accordance with Orthodox Islamism, Jesus was openly held up as a prophet, although secretly indifference to all religions was inculcated. Wow. Kept missing the C. Yeah. Uh, the Templars, as far can be... As far can be Wow, this is like I said. This is a hundred-year-old book. So right. the, the the Templars, as far as can be discovered, were anti-Christian deists. Mm. This guy considers that their ideas were derived from Gnostic or Manchian dualists. All right, 
all these dudes <laughs> that keep posting these memes with these these knights and these red crosses on their shields and they're so manly they were anti-christian deists that believed in a stinking they 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 renounced it they yeah. weren't christians they weren't they were liars they were i'm so angry don't post <laughs> your memes anymore it's not cool well, Crusader memes are cool. No, they're not. Okay, fine. It's not cool. All right, don't spill the water on this. Sorry, dude. I'm getting <laughs> I'm excited. For you. I'm getting excited there. Yeah. Uh, the so this table. is going to break down some of the differences and some of the stuff, which I think is extremely fascinating to actually learn, like we talked about at the beginning. Yeah. What do, what is the, what is the knowledge? What is this hidden truth? And so I'm about to, I'm about to break it down. <laughs> Are you going to slap us with the truth? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it says, I'll read it. <laughs> I'm going to reiterate, don't. Yeah. Um, I like when we take a week off. <laughs> yeah. We're just loose, loosey-goosey. Uh, so, so this French guy considers that their ideas were derived from Gnostic or Manchian dualists, the Cathari, the Paulicians, or more particularly, the Bogomils, of which a brief <laughs> account must be given here. Yeah, please. All I right. know the Gnostics, but I don't know the Bogomils. So these are different. So again, you're getting some stuff here that we're going to break down what not what the different sects of Gnosticism believe. Cool. All right. So the Paulicians, who flourished about the 7th century AD, bore a resemblance to the Canaanites and Ophedites Whoa. in their and detestation of the demiurges and in the corruption of their morals. So the all right. So the Gnostics believed. I, I do know this that there was a, a demiurge, which yeah. was basically that we're trapped in this like world, right? And so there was no. They were not material. They're anti-materialists, right? Yeah, but we were still. They still were in control. Like this underworld was still in control. Yeah, it's almost like the the demi organ demi organ from uh, Stranger Things, which comes out. On July fourth. Oh my God! Thursday, Stranger I Things. Never watched season that. three. It's amazing. You're gonna... missing out. Show. That's what I've been it told. Is, a, is it not a good show? It's a great, great show. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't care. All right. Well, you're lost. I don't watch Black Mirror either. Neither do I. All right, good. I saw one episode and I couldn't even finish it. It was just so dumb. Yeah. So I'm just gonna go on record. All right. So anyway. <laughs> dim demiurge. The, so they. Uh, yeah. Uh, later in the ninth century, the Bogomils, whose name signifies in Slavonic, friends of God, and who had migrated from northern Syria and Mesopotamia to the Balt Balkan Peninsula, <laughs> par particularly Thrace, appeared as a further development of Manchian dualism. Their doctrine may be summarized like this. God, the Supreme Father, has two sons, the elder Satan Sataniel, the younger Jesus, Ooh. to Sataniel, who sat on the right hand of God, belonged to the belonged the right of governing the celestial world, but filled with pride, he rebelled against the Father and fell from heaven. Then, aided by the companions in this fall, he created the visual the visible world, image of the celestial, having like the other its sun, moon, and stars, and last he created man. And the serpent which became his minister later christ came to earth in order to show men the way to heaven but his death was ineffectual for even oh. by descending into hell 
he could not wrest the power from, from Satanial or Satan. Hmm. So that's that's what these guys believe. Believe in some lies. All right. This believe in the impotence of Christ and the necessity, therefore, oh. for placating Satan, not only the prince of the world, but its creator, led to the further doctrine that Satan, being all-powerful, should be adored. Uh, Nitius, some guy, this <laughs> a Byzantine historian of the 12th century, described the followers of this cult as Satanists, because considering Satan powerful, they worshipped him, lest he might do them harm. Subsequently, they they were known as Luciferianism, Luciferianists, Luciferians. Gotcha. There we go. Their doctrine is stated by these guys, being that Lucifer was unjustly driven out of heaven, that one day he will ascend there again and be restored to his former glory and power in the celestial world. So that's something that modern day, like Anton LaVey and all this stuff, these Satanists, the modern Satanists, yeah, yeah. you hear the, hear about this stuff all the time, that they worship uh, Lucifer in uh, Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals, that book that uh, Hillary Clinton was really tight with Saul Alinsky. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say, and that's a crazy book. It basically outlines everything the plan that modern liberals have been doing. Mm. In, the, in the beginning, I think it's in the foreword, or even prior to that, he says, uh, this book is dedicated to the first uh, revolutionary, Satan. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So uh, they're not making it. So, you know. They're not hiding it. No. And, but, uh, but you got to look for this stuff. You got to look for it stuff. But at the same time, it's out there and the, they're, they're showing you it. Right. Yeah. So I'll keep going. The Bogomils and Luciferians thus were closely akin, but whilst the former divided their worship between God and his two sons, the latter worshiped Lucifer only. Hmm. Regarding the material world is his work and holding that by indulging in the flesh, they were propitiating their demon creator. Hmm. It was said that a black cat, the symbol of Satan, figured in their ceremonies as an object of worship. Also that their horrible nocturnal orgies, mm. sacrifices of children were made. Wait, I thought they were chased like monks. <laughs> yeah. And their blood was used for making the Eucharist bread of the sect. Oh my. So they're murdering kids and yeah. using their blood. Sounds like something that's happening with Democrats today. It certainly sounds that. <laughs> I mean, like when. What's it called? Chrome. Uh, when they do the blood adrenochrome adrenochrome yeah yeah i mean when you someone was saying uh, someone was talking about this recently i was watching a video when he was talking about basically uh oh it was own own benjamin i don't care whatever i I watch this stuff some from time to time yeah he was talking about uh the sex magic rituals basically of what sex magic is and this is i mean he perfectly summed it up he's like the highest thing that you can do, like given the biggest middle finger to God, is to like take a take a child, kidnap a child, hmm. torture them, sexually abuse them, kill them, drink their blood, and that's. I mean, when you think about it, that's exactly what they they were doing back then. I mean, yeah. that's they believe Orgies, that they would get power. Whole, yeah, and if we believe, it's it's I mean, the it's the innocent death. Yeah, is what brings power. Yeah, for some, for these fallen people, I don't understand where they get that logic, but maybe Lucifer was. Cause, I mean, if you believe that, as we do, that there's a spiritual realm that well, they have some sort of power, maybe they he was well, they're granting them an innocent death is what saves us. 
right. went Christ. So, so it's maybe, a mockery. It's a mockery of the of the cross. Yeah, exactly. And the, and the sacrifice of a son given yeah. uh, to unto us a son was given. You know. Yeah. He literally was handed over. Yeah. Jesus was handed over. Yeah. With this, they're stealing it to mock it. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. The darkness of it and yeah, rooted in Satan. Yeah. And he comes across as the innocent one. <laughs> I misunderstood. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. All right. What? So, so now that I'm depressed, yeah. Got, got anything else that these these pathetic knights of the t- evil Templar? <laughs> um, I don't think it's going to get better. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, <laughs> but I'll keep going. Uh, thus, the Templars recognize at the same time a good God, incommunicable to man, and consequently without symbolic representation, and a bad God to whom they give the features of an of an idol of fearful aspect. What, most, what does that mean? Explain that a little bit. Uh, so they believe that there's a good God yeah. that can't be represented. Okay. So they can't, they can't unknowable or whatever. Okay. And there's Oops. a bad God that they give, that basically they, they fear. So that's what they're talking about. There's Jesus and there's Satan. Satan's the one they want to do, he's, please he's or the, worship because he's the one that can actually harm them. Oh, okay. So that's where you get the backwards thinking. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah their most fervent worship was addressed to this God of evil who alone could enrich them. They said with the Luciferians, the older, the elder son of God, Satan or Lucifer alone has the right to the homage of mortals. It also sounds like they're blending in what would become known as Mormon doctrine because of the elder son and they're kind of like equating Satan with a child as a child of God. Yeah. Rather yeah. than a, a created angel. Right. A fallen angel. Yeah. Like an Elohim. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it says Jesus's younger brother does not deserve this honor because he doesn't younger have the brother. Yeah. Uh, although we shall not find these ideas so clearly defined in the confessions of the knights, some color is lent to this theory by those who related that the reason given to them for not believing in Christ was that quote, he was nothing. He was a false prophet and of no value and that they should believe in the higher God of heaven who could save them. According to this guy, the idol that they were taught to worship, the bearded head known to history as, take a guess. Jesus. The Baphomet. Oh, that actually crossed my mind at first. Cause I, yeah. Yeah, because he has the goat head with the beard and the... Yeah, so that's what I was saying that when they... Yeah. Nothing's Which, new, man. Well, no. Nothing is new. Yeah, so which represented the inferior God, organizer, and dominator of the material world, author of good and evil here below, mm. him by whom evil was in- introduced into creation. As above, so below. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, should I keep reading some more? Yeah, well, it's just kind of funny to me, like, as you're talking about these things, like, nothing is new. It's like the same, it's like repackaged. Mm-hmm. Whenever these things come up, like there, it's for an, you know, like every hundred years, every two hundred years, it's repackaged and then resold as the secret information. There must be some power connected to it, though, because yeah. people keep getting, people get, people keep getting involved with the Masons and the Illuminati and all these secret societies. There's some kind of movement upwards that happens. I don't know if it's a financial thing or. I would assume you know, in some time. Yeah. But it's just amazing to me how people will literally forfeit the truth and blaspheme God that way mm-hmm. to be a part of something that they feel special. Yeah. <laughs> and receive power from it. 
I mean, people do a lot of crazy stuff for power. I mean, like, if you really want to be a rebel, yeah, become a Christian. Yeah. Like, give your life to Jesus, because that that is the ultimate... You talk about, you know, you want to give... You know, what was it? Owen Benjamin was saying, like, you want to give God the middle finger, rob a kid and kidnap him and all that stuff, you know, and do all that evil. Like, if you really want to... If you really want to be a rebel to the world, mm-hmm. like a real true rebel, follow Christ. Oh, yeah. Because that goes contrary to every... Like, following the world is easy. It's just your sin nature. You just do whatever your flesh wants to do, right? Mm-hmm. It's easy. It's not even hard to do. You don't even have to... Stuff just comes to you naturally. Yeah. But following God, it goes against every carnal desire. And so you have to fight against this indwelled thing. Like, be a real rebel. Yeah. Like, be a man. Put down your stupid crusade beams. <laughs> pick up your cross and follow Jesus, right? Yeah. Like I preached this morning at church, so I'm a little bit I'm a little bit I can tell you're getting fired up. I'm We're a, not even talking about stuff that happened in the last five hundred <laughs> years. <laughs> this is the thirteen hundreds and I'm like getting all mad you're at like, them. Yeah, we need to tell those people. <laughs> Let like, me tell you something, you knight of the Templar. Yeah. Come to my house, put your shield down, burn it. <laughs> all right, sorry. Uh, no, it's keep, all right. Keep going. Get me mad. Yeah, so uh, it just talks a little bit about the Baphomet. And how about this? In 1842, the Freemason Ragone related that the Templars learnt from the initiates of the East. A certain... Uh, uh, so this is going to get back into the the Judaic uh, Gnosticism. Okay. A certain Judaic doctrine that was attributed to St. John the Apostle. Therefore, quote, they renounced the religion of St. Peter and became... Johannites, Johannites. Uh, this guy uh, agrees. Johannites. 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 We're we're killing the language. Yeah. I don't care, man. You you speak American. <laughs> <laughs> speak American. Oh God! I said that with like an Italian accent. You, you speak, speak American. You speak American. You speak American. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, a me, a mom. So here they actually found some books written by them. So this Ooh, gets interesting. All right, cool. Now, these statements were apparently founded on a legend which was first published early in the 19th century when an association calling itself Ordre du Temple. Yeah, the Order of Order of Temper, Temple. That was the... Du Temple. Yeah. yeah, that came out of, uh, that came out of um, Anton LaVey. Yeah. yeah. And, it said, uh, and claiming direct descent from the uh, original Templar order published two works, the Manual... Something, something, this book and another book, <laughs> together with a version of the Gospel of St. John differing from the Vulgate. Ooh. These books, which are, appear to have been printed only for private circulation amongst the members and are now extremely rare, uh, relate to the Order of the Temple and had never ceased to exist since the days of this French guy who appointed another <laughs> French guy, oh, the, the founder and uh, his successor in office and from that time onwards the grandmasters had succeeded each without a breakup to the end of the 18th century so they lasted till about the 18th century. century yeah wow. uh, when it ceased for a brief period but was reinstituted under a new grandmaster some french guy in 1804 besides publishing the list of all the grandmasters known as the charter of some french word said to have been <laughs> preserved in the secret archives of the temple these works also reproduce another document drawn from the same repository describing the origins of the order this manuscript written in greek on parchment dated 1154 purports to be mm. partly taken from a fifth century uh manuscript and relates to some french guy the first grandmaster of the templars was initiated in 
1118. That is to yeah. say in the year the order was founded. Yeah. Um, so, in, so like 35, 40 years later, they have some writings. Yeah, to that, say that this was, this is what he, the founder was indoctrinated into. Yeah. It's called the religious doctrine of the primitive Christian church. Uh, Whoa. There yeah. is actually a, there's actually a primitive Baptist. Yeah, but this is by sovereign pontiff and patriarch Theoclet. Uh, 60th, he was 60th in direct succession from St. John the Apostle. Wow. So here's a history of the primitive church. This is crazy. Moses was initiated in Egypt. Profoundly versed in the physical, theological, and metaphysical mysteries of the priests, he knew how to profit by these so as to surmount the power of the magi, magis. It's not magis. Magi. What? Magi. M-A-J-I? -A -A no, it's M-A-G-E-S. It should be the Magi. Magi, yeah. And deliver his companions, Aaron, his brother, and the chiefs of the Hebrews became the uh, depositories, of this, depositories of this doctrine. So this is what they're claiming. The Son of God afterwards appeared on the scene of the world. He brought up, uh, he was brought up in the school of Alexandria, imbued with a spirit wholly divine, endowed with the most astounding qualities. He was able to reach all the degrees of Egyptian initiation. Mm. On his return to Jerusalem, he presented himself with the uh, before the chiefs of the synagogue, Jesus Christ, directing the fruit of his lofty meditations toward universal civilization and happiness of the world, rent their veil, which conceal, concealed the truth from the peoples. He preached the love of God, the lo love of one's neighbor, and equality before the common father of all men. Jesus conferred evangelical initiation on his apostles and disciples. He transmitted his spirit to them, divided them into several orders after the practice of John, the beloved disciple, and the apostle of fraternal love, whom he had instituted sovereign pontiff and uh, patriarch. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's getting kind of late. <laughs> so that is uh, one of these secret things that is said to descend from Moses of Christ being an Egyptian initiate and founder of a secret order. That is, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. So, so they've got some real deep, dark, heretical, occultic beliefs. Yeah. In those Knights of the Knights Templar. Yeah. So here I'll, yeah. uh, keep reading the Christians okay. persecuted by the infidels, appreciating the courage and piety of these brave crusaders who with the sword in one hand and the cross in the other flew to the defense of holy places. And above all doing striking justice to the, virtues and ardent charity of Hugo de Payens held it in their duty to confide to hand so pure the treasures of knowledge acquired throughout so many centuries, sanctified by the cross, the dogma, and the morality of the man-god. <laughs> uh, Hughes was invented with the apostolic patriarchal power and placed in him Whoa. by the legitimate power, order of the successors of St. John. So, so they connect to John. That's how they, that's yeah. their, you know. So that it says such is the origin of the foundation of the order of the temple and the fusion of the order of the different kinds of initiation of the Christians of the East designated under the title of primitive Christian or Johannites. Okay. So that's what they believe. That's, that's what they believe. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting too. on a lot of these secret societies. It's about who you're related to. Yeah. Like who you come down through and, and like who were your founder 
and how many generate like remember like the the assassins right mm-hmm. they were they were talking about how they were connected to to right. uh, yeah. uh the original guy uh hassan yeah uh, was his name yeah i'll keep reading there, there's not too much left okay yeah. i think it's really good yeah yeah uh, it will be seen at once that all this story is subtly subversive of true Christianity, dull, and that the uh, appellation appellation of Christians applied to the Johannites is an imposture, dull. Uh, indeed, this French guy, the Grand Master of the Order, who in his book on the temples, uh, Templars repeats the story contained in these other books while making the same profession of cri- cr- primitive Christian doctrines descending from St. John th- through three... Theoclet and uh, Hugh de Paines to the order over which he presides goes on to say that the secret doctrine of the Templars was essentially contrary to the canons of the Church of Rome and that it princi- and that it is principally to this fact that one must attribute the persecution of which history has preserved the memory. The belief of primitive Christians and consequently that of Templars with regard to the miracles of Christ is that he did or may have done extra no, extra, extraordinary or miraculous things, and that since God can do things incomprehensible to human intelligence, the primitive, the primitive church venerates all the acts of Christ as they are described in the gospel, whether it considers them acts of human science or whether as acts of human power. So they didn't care. Yeah. Belief in the divinity of Christ is thus left an open question, hmm. and the same attitude is maintained towards the resurrection, of which the story is in, is omitted in the Gospel of St. John, possessed by the order. Uh, this French dude further admits that the grave accusations brought against the Templars were founded on facts, which he attempts to explain away in the following manner. So here's the, the uh, defense of them. The Templars, having in 1307 carefully abstracted all the manuscripts composing the secret archives of the order from search made by authority, and these authentic manuscripts have been previously, uh, preciously preserved since that period, we have today the certainty that the knights endured a great number of religious and moral tri- trials before reaching the different degrees of initiation. Thus, for example, the recipient might receive the injunction of pain under the pain of death to trample on the crucifix or worship an idol, but if he yielded to the terror which they sought to inspire in him, he was declared unworthy of being admitted into the higher or- grades of the order. So basically, they, they're they saying, you need to trample on the cross and spit on it, and uh, they're worried that they're going to get killed if they do that, because mm. they think it's a Christian thing. Yeah. But then they say, if you don't do it, we're going to kill you. Right. So basically, it's- the guys that did do die it. by us or die by God. <laughs> yeah, so they did do it and they were moved up. Uh, one can imagine this way how beings too feeble or too immoral to endure the trials of initiation may have accused the Templars of giving up, that giving themselves up to infamous practices and of having superstitious beliefs. Man, dude, everything... Uh, Alright, so I've just... I, I, uh, I was reading a little bit about the cartels down in Mexico. Yeah. And it's like, it's it's kind of weird. Like I wasn't planning on talking about this, but it's so parallel to so many things that are happening with these cartels. Like they've actually, they've actually created religious yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. celebrations like of death and they actually hide them on statues of Mary. Like they'll put a public statue of Mary out and they know that the government won't take that down. But if you go behind it, there's actually this, this death, um, 
what's the name of the um, celebration that they have every Day year? Of the Dead. Day of the Dead, yeah. And so, Dios de la Muerto. <laughs> that's pretty good Spanish. Thanks, there, man. I only took it for seven years. Oh, we <laughs> Dude. I just cannot speak it at all. Oh, dude. I was going to say, we should do like part of a podcast in Spanish. Absolutely not. I cannot do it. <laughs> like, the, uh, like the Democratic primaries. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hey, bueno. <laughs> My name's Be- Beto Betero O'Rourke. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I'm trying to do like a Texas Mexican accent. Yeah. but Can't do it. But what's crazy is that these... So, like, th- just stick with me. Yeah, yeah. I want to connect a dot for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this is this is an unintentional, but there could be an emerging secret society in our culture that we may be reading about 200 years from now, if, we, if the Lord should tarry, uh, about these cartels. Because the way that they operate, get initiations to get in, there's a sacrifice that's involved. you got to kill somebody. Yeah. Um, then they have this religious aspect to it. Like, there's literally, they built a, they built a church to this drug lord that was set free from jail. He had he had gotten set free by the Mexican government. He was held in America and they and then he went and died and they built a church to him and they sainted him and you can go there and people will go down there from America that escaped that they escaped Mexico, came to America and got a new life and they'll go back and they'll honor him by putting a picture of themselves with their truck or because their job right oh yeah and and like they'll they'll tack a five dollar bill onto the wall and it's just inside this church as a shrine to this saint this guy that was a drug dealer he was a drug lord he literally was an evil man yeah and um and so like i'm seeing these parallels of like the secret societies and the cultures yeah man satan's tactics really it's I think I said that before. His tactics haven't changed no. since the fall. No, we're just idiots. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> right. Solomon said that in Ecclesiastes, right? Yeah. But that's just crazy. Yeah. Man. So, so should I keep reading? I mean, how much more you got? Not that much. No. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. It is certainly. I think everyone. I, I like this. Yeah, it's you know, be a little no. long, but you know, it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is certainly not surprising that an order which gave such injunctions as these for whatever purpose should have become the object of suspicion. Uh, this guy. Uh, uh, it says the order of the Knights of the Temple was stained from its origin with schism and conspiracy against kings. Further, he says that the real story told to initiates concerning Christ was no other than the infamous this uh, other one uh, this thing I can't read uh, <laughs> scribed in uh, yeah so it, basically this uh, the Johannites dared to attribute it, it's a story concerning Christ that they attribute to St. John this would w- this would accord with the confessions of the Catalonian Knights Templar uh, who stated that the first form of absolution in the order was I pray God that he may pardon your sins as he pardoned St. Mag- Mary Magdalene and the theft, the thief on the cross. Mm. But the witness went on to explain. What did he mean by this? By the thief of which the head of the chapter speaks is meant according to our statutes that Jesus or Christ who was crucified by the Jews because he was not God and yet said he was God and the king of the Jews, which was an outraged to the true God who is in heaven. 
when Jesus, a few moments before his death, had his side pierced with the lance of Longinius. He repented of having called himself God and king of the Jews and asked a pardon of the true God. Mm. Then the true God pardoned him. It is thus that we apply the, the to the crucified Christ these words as God pardoned the thief on the cross. Wow. So they're literally saying that the on the cross, Jesus repented yep. and said he was wrong. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So you can't get much more... <laughs> Much more antichrist than that. This is, yeah, this is bad. <laughs> uh, I'll skip over. Aren't you glad we decided to do this uh, secret society series? Yeah, I knew it was going to be dark, man. Should call it the Satan story, Chron- <laughs> Satan Chronicles. Yeah. Oh man. In order then to judge the probability of the story that this manuscript contained. Uh, it is necessary to consult the facts of history and to discover what proof can be found of any such sect as the Johannites uh, that existed at the time of the Crusades or earlier. Certainly none is known to have been called by this name or by one resembling it before 1622, when some Portuguese monks reported the existence of a sect which they had described as Christians of St. John inhabiting the banks of the Euphrates. Hmm. (coughs) Oh, excuse me. Uh, so they took. So there was this group. It says there can be no doubt that the doctrines of the Mandeans do resemble the description of the Johannite heresy as given by uh, Lifus Levy, though not by the Order of the Temple, and that the Mandeans pro- uh, profess to be the disciples of Saint John the Baptist, however, not the Apostle. So that's the thing. They are at the same time the enemies of Jesus Christ, according to the Mandeans book, uh, Mandeans book of John. Uh, it says that St. John baptized, myri- baptized myriads of men during 40 years by the Jordan. Yeah. By, a, by a mistake or in response to a written mandate from heaven saying, Yaha, baptize the liar in the Jordan, he baptized the false prophet, Ye- uh, Yeshu Mashiach. So, Jesus. Yeshua Mashiach. Yeshua Mashiach. Well, it's old writing, okay? It doesn't say that. I know what it says. I'm trying to read it. Uh, who was the son of the devil, Roja Kadista. The same idea is found in another book of the sect called the Book of Adam, which represents Jesus as the perverter of St. John's doctrine and the disseminator of inquidity and perfidy throughout the world. The resemblance between all of this and the legends of uh, these other books, moreover... Uh, the Mandeans claim the book of Adam, the same origin, uh, blah, 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 blah. yeah, that it was given to Adam through the hands of angel Raziel. So it was given to Adam. So the stuff was given to Adam in the garden. Yeah. Uh, this book known to the scholars as the Codex Nasarius is described by this German dude as a sort of mosaic without order, without method. Where one finds mentioned Noah, Abraham, Moses, Solomon, the Temple of Jerusalem, St. John the Baptist, Jesus Christ, the Christians, and Mohammed. It's funny how they call it St. John the Baptist. Yeah. But not St. John. It's like John. Different John. John. Yeah. But it was his cousin. Yeah. But they don't like the other one. They don't like the other one because the other one claims deity to Christ. Yeah. And even though John the Baptist did do too. Well, that's what I was going to read. Okay, I, I was yeah. gonna, please, please. So, out of the word of God, <laughs> the Bible, literally, 
from in John's Gospel, verse 29, chapter 1, it says, The next day John, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's what he said. He says, This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. So there you go. Yeah. John the Baptist himself attested that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins, and he surpassed the ministry of him because he was before him. In other words, he put him in place to do the ministry. He was acknowledging Jesus being the beginning and the end. Yeah. Like pre-existing. And so it's like, that's the words of your St. John the Baptist, you stupid knight, <laughs> knight of the Templar. Yeah. I'm going to keep calling him Knight of the Templar just to get him mad. <laughs> I hope you're listening, you Knight of the Templar <laughs> loser. <laughs> yeah. I know, they've been gone for a thousand years. Well, the 1800s. Yeah, so so that's kind of where... That's crazy. That's where this set came from. Yeah. Uh, so, like, what on the outside, on the surface, looked like, hey, these are these are these vigilante guys that are going to be out there to, for the protector of the downtrodden and protect these pilgrims. But what it mushroomed into was this crazy cult you couldn't get out of and you had to do all of these crazy things to advance in it yeah and it says basically uh it says their sacred books are in an aramaic dialect mm. um it is essentially a type of ancient gnosticism traces of which um yeah are found all the way back into the ancient egyptian times it's really just a form of satanism yeah it's what I would say because it just kind of it. It seems like what they're doing is they're just they're distracting from the truth and they're replacing it with these with Luciferian satanic, you know, images, mm-hmm. right? Because they're painting G- they're painting Jesus and Lucifer on par with one another as brothers, you know. Yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, well, see, so here's gonna it's gonna bring it back into the modern time. Okay, so it says that. Uh, Modern Masonic lodges claiming descent from the Templars possess a special version of the gospel said to have been copied from the original on Mount Athos, this uh, gospel of St. John. It has also said that Baphomets were preserved in the Masonic lodges of Hungary, where a debased form of masonry known as the Johannite masonry survives to this day. Hmm. At the temple uh blah 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 i'll just keep reading yeah it keeps going blah 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 <laughs> yeah um so they found ancient aramaic writings of a gospel of saint john the baptist yeah oh here this is what i was looking for all right so here uh this is from a guy this is a quote from the templar uh i'm sorry from the masons okay let us declare that the for the edification of the vulgar and for the greater glory of the church, which has persecuted the Templars, burned the magicians and ex- excommunicated the Freemasons. Why is it? No. Oh, it's, well, that doesn't make sense. Let us say boldly and loudly that the initiates of the occult sciences have adored, do, and will always uh, adore that is which is that which is signified by the frightful symbol of the Baphomet. Yeah. Yes, it is in our profound conviction that the grand, grand masters of the Order of the Templars adored Baphomet and caused him to be adored by their initiates. It will be seen, then, that, that this accusation of heresy brought against the Templars does not emanate solely from the Catholic Church, but also from the secret societies. Even our Freemasons, for whom 
uh, I'll say next, are now willing to admit that they there was a really weird, a really real case against them. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna hit touch on the Freemasons at some point when we go through these secret societies. Yeah. And for those that are listening, if you don't really know what a Baphomet is, we've talked about it a handful of times, and and I feel like I've seen it a bunch of rounds, but maybe that's just because of research we're doing. So, but the Baphomet was this goat-headed, horned, big horns that kind of come come out and curl around its head, and it had six breasts, I think, and and it usually has it's sitting like Indian style, and it has sort of one hand up with like. Two, almost like if you were to make a two-fingered gun with your hand, mm-hmm. and it has like one hand up, usually the left hand's up, and the right hand's down with the same gesture of the hands. And the the famous saying is, as above, so below. And it's this whole flipping over or reversing It's the, the duality. Order. It shows the duality because it has the breast, but it's also a male. Right. And then the up and the down. Um, yeah. And yeah. so they a lot of people believe that the Baphomet is the spirit behind a lot of what we're seeing today with transsexuals, transsexualism. Yeah. Where they want to just kind of like eliminate all of the genders. Androgyny. Yeah, exactly. So that everyone androgynous robots basically. Yeah. So you lose, you lose identity, you lose like what you were assigned by God. And so it's really to just absolutely tear just another level of tearing down the order of God that he's put in place. Exactly. And so the Baphomet is the symbol of that. And it, 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 it it started in I think Canaanite religion, is like the earliest that we've been able to see it. Possibly even further on than that, Babylonian Genesis six stuff mm-hmm. probably. But you can see it all the way into today. Like there's imagery of it that's of that's around today, which is insane. They actually put a Baphomet yeah. statue on on the Capitol on um, the same day that they were. Uh, that they were uh, putting in um, Justice Kavanaugh for his hearing. I believe it was that one. Yeah. And he was going to be the pro-life justice that was going to help end, at some level, the... the oh, we thought. Well, <laughs> we, ho- we were hoping. But they there was actually... What, what happened was is there was a display that was being carried around the world of an ancient Canaanite temple, and the Baphomet was part of that. And they erected this replica on the mall in D.C. And if you looked through the Canaanite archway that they built, this satanic archway, a cultic archway, the capital sat right in the one side. And you look through the other side and you see the monument on the other side. And, um, and this Baphomet was there as well. And uh, it's just amazing to me that this symbol, this thing has been carried through for literally five six thousand years maybe even more mm-hmm. and it still has some weird spiritual power yeah but that all gets broken in christ i mean the only way it got, that, it got broken yeah it got <laughs> broken in christ for sure i mean we know that at the cross i mean paul says this is what i love paul says that they were uh when when uh that these spiritual forces were made a mockery of at the cross that Jesus literally displayed them as fools yeah, on the cross. And I think one of the things that's that's very interesting and why I wanted to read so much about the different Gnostic sects that they believed or, you know, what made up the thing, is it, it's not Romans, which is the the books that Paul 
directly wrote uh, addressing Gnosticism? Uh, Gal- uh, Galatians, he talks about it because he, he deals with, with Judaism, the yeah, Judaizers and Gnostics. Yeah. So, and then a little bit in Philippians, I believe. Yeah, but I was going to say, so this is the, which is just kind of crazy. These are the, the stuff that they're t- teaching, you know, back during that time. This is, it's, it's, it's kind of cool to like, in a, in a weird way to read about the stuff that, like, these are the teachings that Paul was going and, you know, debating against, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is the stuff that he had in his mind when he wrote the stuff that he did. And when they gave us doctrine, you know? Like this is this this is the stuff. Yeah. So let me read that verse. It's Colossians two fifteen. There you go. I wanted to, I wanted to get it. I didn't want to miss. I was encouraged by a listener to if you're going to quote scripture, at least get it right. <laughs> I've gotten it right before. I'm I'm going to be the first to admit I don't always get the address right, but I get the sentiment and I usually <laughs> I usually have the theology right. Do you but, have the same author usually? <laughs> yeah. God. <laughs> All right. So uh, Colossians two fifteen and having disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them triumphing triumphing over them by the cross. So mm. I, I had a paraphrase of that verse, right? Yeah. So uh, that's what happened at the cross. The Baphomet was made a spectacle and disarmed them because of the work of the cross. But still, the spirit of that is in the world. Mm-hmm. And those that are deceived will follow it. And yeah. so if you're playing, like if you, like I don't want to be like a, alarmist or anything like that but if you're like if you're listening to this and you're you've been you've been you've dabbled with opportunities to become a freemason or or get into one of these you know kind of questionable secret societies you know um mormonism (laughs) (laughs) right well that's just late straight up cult but yeah no but if you are i mean I, i would say this like stop for a minute and really start to dig deep and then hold it against the the what scripture holds out to us. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I listened to this interview with this guy that was like a 33 degree Mason. And, uh, that's what he said, but, and he said he, he actually spoke pretty highly of the Masons. Um, but he didn't really, he didn't divulge a lot of the detail, but he said basically, um, cause he asked him, what do you think masonry is good for guys to join? And yeah. he was like, yeah, you know, like most of the people just join cause they want to have camaraderie and they want to make connections, you know, so that, uh, you know, that's what people say. They're like, oh, my grandpa's a Mason. And, right. you know, they go play bingo. And then they, uh, I don't know if they play bingo, but they have, they, they do food. They got spaghetti Thursdays. You know, right, or, right. Uh, and they donate money to the Shriners. The sh- well, yeah. The <laughs> Another the funny group. Cars, but, yeah. You know, but they're like, yeah, my, you know, my grandpa's not a bad guy and he didn't do that. And he just wanted, you know, he's got all his Mason buddies and, you know, all that stuff. And they're like, yeah, on some level, you know, so my, my thing was, if you just want to do it because you want to make business connections or something like that, which is a very real, if you see it as a professional, uh, professional networking thing, yeah, you get Dude, there's tons of cool people at church. <laughs> you know, like, That's what I say. Yeah, I was like, gonna say, you bypass, know, all the stuff the that Masons. you can find in the Masons. There's a lot more to be found in the church if you look. Or yeah, if you if you're looking for authentic community, yeah, that's what I was getting at. There's yeah. really nothing better than going to the church because what happens is you, it's the the authenticity is is fueled by the love of Christ, mm-hmm. which is sacrificial and real. And even though you'll find people that are mistreated and hurt in the church and don't and they look for that community and they, they may not find it right away. 
um, you're going to usually have opportunities that you wouldn't have in other places. Yeah. So I was going to say, and maybe to wrap it up, uh, we just, so spoiler alert after the stuff, we just gave you all the secret knowledge that these guys were holding. <laughs> That's right. You know? So, uh, if you're like, Oh, but I want to join the Masons because they know all these secrets. Uh, no, they don't. Dude, I just told you them. <laughs> like, dude, we just yeah. we just told right. you all that. You're a 33rd Mason right now, yeah, level like, Mason. You just you just heard all the esoteric wisdom of the Gnostics without scarring your soul. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, let me say this. Let me ask you a quick question, Turner. Yeah. Uh, is Satan the older brother of Jesus? No. Okay. Did was Jesus the thief that died on the cross? No. Okay. And uh, was he an initiate in the ancient Babylonian mysteries? No. Okay. Was St. John the Baptist, did he accidentally uh, baptize Jesus? No. Okay. (laughs) So there. So there. There's some refutation. (laughs) (laughs) Secrets dispelled. Ah. So this is cool, man. The Knights of the Templar, Knights Templar. There's a lot more there than is, you ever would have thought. I know. I, I was surprised at how much uh, came out there when you start. It's like when you pop the hood on these things. It's kind of scary. Yeah. What you're going to hear and find. But so uh, we're going to continue in this series throughout the rest of the summer. We have some cool guests lined up coming yeah, up. Yeah. And yeah. So I think it's going to be really cool. But um, we'll continue to re- do our research and read to you. And hey, do us a favor. <laughs> you said that like it's a bad. No, no one can tell. Okay, if I'm reading it, maybe it's more eloquent than uh, us just spitballing. But yeah. Anyways, oh well, what I was gonna say is hey, before you, hey, listen. If you like, if you like the show, just share us. We're still being suppressed, so we need you to do your part to help us out, get the word out, share us, like us, review us. <laughs> Do all that. I was going to say... Smash the like button. Se- Sebastian Gorka follows us on Twitter. Right. Yeah. So you need to... Get on the train, baby. Get on the train, because Seb... The war train is rolling. Seb follows us. Yeah. Which is awesome. And He doesn't and, even follow me, my personal account. <laughs> I'm like, I saw that. I'm like, how did he do that? Why is he following? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, anyways, yeah. So we're big deals, man. I like to up my Twitter game too, man. Like, yeah. We'll, we'll work on that. Yeah. Hey, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll catch you next time on All Out War. Later. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to know more, you can visit us on the web at alloutwar.us. Or you can find us on Twitter at All Out Warcast. Hey, thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.